This is the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Timepieces History Podcast, where we look at a snippet of history in every show. This season is all about things that shape Britain, and today we're looking at the London Underground. At the time of this recording, most of the world is on lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic, so this is probably the quietest the underground has been since it opened in 1863. I think everyone, whether they're a visitor to the capital or a resident, has a love-hate relationship with the tube. The maps can often be difficult to read and everybody rushes, even though there's another train due in a matter of minutes. And even when you think you've worked out your route, you may find a line closure forces you to rethink. And it's also incredibly hot and stuffy down there, even in the depths of winter. Nevertheless, we should be proud of the Underground, because it was the first underground passenger railway in the world. The rapid transit system was born from necessity. The City of London had grown rapidly throughout the century, and there were seven railway lines coming in and out of the city, along with the road traffic. Clearly, there was a solution required to deal with the increasing footfall into London. The Metropolitan Railway secured the right to build an underground line in 1854, which they estimated would cost £1 million. However, they struggled to raise the capital as the Crimean War was raging on, and so they didn't start construction until 1860. The first stretch of the tube ran for almost four miles, some of it through tunnels, and went from Paddington to King's Cross. It took nearly three years to construct and relied on steam locomotives to pull wooden carriages. On its first day of service, 38,000 passengers were transported, including a number of politicians. One of my favourite quotes is attributed to the then Prime Minister Lord Palmerston, who, although invited to try out the new system, opted not to join the rest of his cabinet, saying that, at the age of 78, he wanted to spend as much time as possible above ground. The rest of the underground network was built over 50 years, with connections put in with overground terminals where possible. It's worth noting that different companies took charge of the construction of different parts of the route and the rails, and it was not until 1902 that the Underground Electric Railways Company of London began buying the disparate companies and brought everything under central control. I've always been fascinated by the tube stations, particularly those which retain the original Victorian tiles and features, and of course because of the memorable scene in one of my favourite films, An America Wealth in London. If you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but um, yeah, check it out, it's fairly grisly. It's estimated that there are now 49 abandoned tube stations across the network, whether that's because a new station replaced them or because there wasn't a demand in the local area, although that does seem a bit hard to believe. Some of these stations have been closed for nearly 100 years and some were only shut down recently. For example, in 1922, the City Road station on the Northern Line closed, although the station building itself is still there. Similarly, the rather beautiful and red brick York Road station is still there to be admired, despite having been closed down in 1932. That one was a stop on the Piccadilly line, and there were several other abandoned stations along that route, some of which sat as the only resting place on a long stretch of the line. A couple of these abandoned stations were used during the war, one served as a bunker and another as an operations room. Another thing that I find quite interesting about the underground is that many of the tube tracks will whiz past the forgotten rivers which are now underground, and to me, the notion of a great city sitting above a network of rivers is both unnerving and thrilling. London was built on the River Thames floodplains, which has countless tributaries flowing into it. As the city expanded, buildings were constructed over the top of these waterways, but nothing was ever done to cover or block them. 
The ancient Romans relied on the Walbrook to provide them with fresh water, and the Bank of England is now on top of it. The River Tyburn, a favourite salmon fishing spot, flows beneath Buckingham Palace, and a 100-foot-wide fleet, once thought to have healing powers, became polluted as London developed and slums lined its banks. Sad trickles of the fleet remain, with a stream at Hampstead and Highgate Ponds. In 1827, locals bathed on the banks of the fleet at St Pancras Road, but soon after it was turned into a sewer, a sad fate of many of the Thames tributaries, and it now runs below ground to Blackfriars Bridge. The underground rivers and abandoned stations tend to be out of bounds, but sometimes tours are available. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next time. If you have a favourite underground station, which some people do, please let me know. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.